Now, last week at the initial um, lesson, um, we learnt that Moses had died and Joshua had taken over command of the Israelites, being sanctioned by the Lord to lead them finally into the promised land. And uh, God spoke directly to Moses, gave him three promises and three commandments. And so where we pick up the, uh, the story, they are camped just beyond Canaan. And God has told them how to go about taking that land. So let's read from chapter 2. And this is entitled... Rahab and the spies. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have, come, they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman who had taken the two men and hidden them, she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly, you may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan, and as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, Go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, and then go on your way. Now the men said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless, when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house. If any of them go outside the house into the street, 
their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given this land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. And this is the word of the Lord. And now if I could ask Nick to come and help us understand what the Lord is trying to say to us. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Let's just have a word of prayer. We believe that God inspired this to be written. We believe that the Holy Spirit is here um, to help us understand. So let's just pray. Father God, we believe you're here with us this morning. And we ask you to speak to our hearts. Lord, help us understand. We believe your word is understandable, but we always need your help. Make it real to us, make it powerful. And make bits of it that you are specifically saying to us stick in our minds this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're talking about spiritual warfare. This story we're reading is in the Old Testament. Uh, That's the part of the Bible before Jesus comes. And after Jesus comes, things change. But as Christians, we're still in a kind of battle. It's a battle for gospel truth. And by the gospel, we mean the good news that God has made a way for us to be right with him. And that way is through Jesus. And Jesus' perfect life uh, is sacrificed on a cross so that we can be right with God. That's the gospel. And the battle we have is for this gospel truth to take root um, in hearts and minds. Starting with our, our own minds and hearts. Because so often we believe it, but we've only grasped a bit of it. Then we want our brothers and sisters in Christ to to know it and believe it too. So we need to be encouraging them and uh, teaching and exhorting one another. And and then in our wider communities, we want other people to understand. It is, after all, really um, good news. So that is the battle that we are are, are fighting as Christians as a church. And we saw last time that Joshua has three promises. And God makes us the same three promises in a slightly different way. He says to Joshua, there will be a land. He says, at the end of this battle, God will give them a place of of peace and rest. And it's a country uh, flowing with with milk and honey. There is a fantastic place for them to to live as God's people under uh, God's rule, knowing God's blessing when this is all over. And the same is true for Christians. When Jesus said the meek will inherit the earth, he meant that literally. He meant those who are meek because they trust Jesus will one day inherit the earth. One day God will make Um, Everything new, the whole earth, uh, everything that is sinful or of sin or a fruit of sin will one day be wiped away. God is promising you people a land, um, and it's a fantastic promise. We'll come back to it at the end. 
Second promise is that we have weapons of divine power. God promised Joshua that nobody would be able to stand against him. We saw that God says we have weapons of divine power. And they're weapons of prayer and, and witness and gospel. We'll come back to that too. We'll see it all, I think, exemplified, starting to be worked out in this passage today. And the other promise to him and to us is that the Lord, that Jesus will always be with us um, by his Holy Spirit. So there were three promises and there were three commands to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. But how do you be strong and courageous? This was the key thing we learned last time. Do you have to kind of pick yourself up by your bootstraps? No, Joshua was told to meditate not to clear his mind, but to concentrate, to focus on the Bible, to be always chewing it over, to be nattering it about it over the, over the um, lunch table, uh, to be talking with his friends and his kids that the, uh, that the law, in other words, the Bible would always be in his mind. And what happens when you chew over the Bible is that God gives you courage. He works in your heart. He changes you by his Holy Spirit from the inside. And of course, then he's to put that into practice and we have those same three promises um, and we have uh, the the same commands although we fight in a different kind of way we don't pick up swords we go out and tell people uh, the good news about Jesus and now that the story moves on uh, with a a series of of surprises or I suppose we could call it a a series of unlikely events uh, to paraphrase the title of a book but that's pretty much what this, this chapter uh, is all about, a series of unlikely events. Um, and the first one is this. Uh, Joshua's, uh, we will, we, let's call them um, unlikely agents. So Joshua, son of Nun, we read in that passage, I won't read it again, secretly sent uh, two spies. Now, I wonder, uh, hands up if you've ever seen the Rowan Atkinson film, Johnny English. Okay, that's a, it, it, it's a fair smattering. Uh, uh, Johnny English ha- has a sidekick called Boff. Um, or, uh, he, at one point, quite early on in the film, by his um, own mistakes, he's caused all the other secret agents in the country to, um, to be bombed, um, and he's all the British government have left. Um, and at one point, he and Boff are flying in a plane, and they're trying to get into the headquarters of the ultra-villain um, Pascal Sauvage, uh, he's so confident he refuses the technology that his psychic boff offers him. And as they parachute out into the building, uh, one of them is Pascal Sauvage's headquarters, the other is um, the city hospital. And I don't need to tell you what happens, do I? Uh, it's a Rowan Atkinson film. Um, boff ends up in the headquarters where he's supposed to be. Johnny English ends up in the hospital. Um, and all kinds of uh, things ensue. So I don't want to en- entirely prejudice you against these two guys. Um, but they seem a little bit to be the Johnny English and the boff of, of, of Israel, uh, Israel's spies. They don't seem to be the most kind of expert of espionage uh, agents. Because we read quite early on um, that it seems like no sooner have <laughs> they entered the, 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 the city than they've been spotted. Uh, they didn't keep undercover for, uh, for very long. But through this series of surprises and unlikely events, God's purposes still progress. But why does Joshua uh, send them at all? That's the question. Is it, is it faithful or is it faithless? God, Joshua's received an instruction to get ready and, and to, uh, to, to go into the land. Uh, is he being 
faithful. He's, he's taking action, is he not? Or is he being faithless? He's being given a promise that God will be with him. And should he not just kind of march in and take Jericho? Is he being faithful? Is he being faithless? Well, I think, actually, simply what's happening is that he's taking the next logical step. It's just uh, the sensible thing to do. He doesn't know at this point how God is going to take Jericho. We'll find out later on that they never actually attack the walls. They just march round it. Uh, and God supernaturally causes the, the walls to come down. But this is just, I think, the, the next logical step. So how about you? Who, who would you like to see come to know Jesus? Who would you like to know the, the good news that Jesus died so they can be forgiven uh, and be right with God? Who would you like to see saved? It, it might be somebody in your family. It might be somebody at work. What should you do? Well, you should pray. You should seek God about it. But then you need to take the next logical step. What is the next logical step? Invite somebody to church. Give them a bit of the Bible that they can read. Or give them one of those little tracts that Ian had that just explains what the, what the gospel is. is. Is it meeting them for coffee? We work for a supernatural God, but there needs to be at least a plan and, and the next logical step. And I just wonder what in your battle for the gospel amongst your friends, your community, is, is the next logical step. So one writer says, to pray without using the means that God has given us is almost as foolish as to use the means without praying. So to just pray is not adequate. You need to pray and do something. Okay, because to, to, to pray without doing anything is almost as bad as to do stuff without praying. They need the two. So having entered Jericho, these two unlikely agents, they, they go to the house of a prostitute. We're not, we're not told why. It, it might have been an inn. It might have been a, a hostel of some sort. It might have been a kind of semi-public space. We just don't know. But as we've said already, they immediately fail. Uh, the, king, the king finds out where they're, where they're at. He's not, they've not only been spotted. Uh, the king, through his own agents, has found out where they are. And he sends his own messages um, to Rahab, the homeowner, to give them up. And it's here things start to get interesting. Call this God's unlikely choice. So the woman, remember they're coming to attack her city, they're coming to take it down, but what does she do? She takes the two men and she hides them. Rahab takes the side of the spies. And moreover, she lies on their behalf. Johnny English and Boff have ended up by God's providence in the presence of the one person in Jericho that God is at work in. The one person that God wants to save. And, and she's an unlikely candidate. She's a prostitute. She's a woman who were devalued in those days and not properly valued as they are today. And to them... She's a foreigner. And yet, this is the person God 
has chosen. This is the person God wants to speak to. This is the person God wants to know uh, the good news about how they can be right with him and in a relationship with him. So I wonder sometimes when you look at, uh, look at the people around you in, in, in your everyday life, do you kind of instinctively kind of rate them on their convertibility? Do you rate them on the kind of likelihood of, uh, you know, you make your own judgment about how likely this person might be to, uh, to become a Christian? Well, do you know what? God has no interest in, in such evaluations of ours. He delights to rescue the, the worst of sinners. He loves to rescue the most distance of people because he loves all people and he wants all people to be saved. So as you go to your front lines, to your everyday lives this week, wherever you meet people who, who don't know the Lord, I just want you to think, you may find, like the spies, God is already at work, undermining the mental strongholds of those who you think you know, or who you think are maybe the hardest people ever to reach with the gospel of Christ. So ask him, as you go out this week, what's the next logical step? And sometimes that's as simple as going up to somebody you maybe know or you don't know in work and say, how are you doing? And then listening really well. But there's a question mark. What about the, what about the lying? It, it troubles some people that, um, that, that Rahab lies. She says, I, I don't know which way they went. So, so can, we justify, uh, can we justify Rahab's lying? There's a little man here who needs, a, needs his dad. <laughs> That's all right. You're very welcome. <laughs> yeah. Good man. I don't know whether it troubles you that Rahab lies to get out of this. Um, we can look at, an, look at this from a number of angles. She, she, at the end of the day, she had to choose the, the lesser of two evils. Though I don't know whether you've ever read... Who's read The Hiding Place by Corrie ten Boom? Yeah, you younger people, you need to read that. Okay, it's kind of clearly a generational thing. <laughs> um, uh, it's a lovely story about... Um, a Dutch family under Nazi occupation and uh, the work they did to rescue, uh, rescue Jews who would otherwise have died. Uh, and at one point, Corrie's sister uh, is called Nolly. The, the Nazis come to her house and they, they're hiding a, a Jewess in plain sight um, as their maid. Uh, she's blonde and blue-eyed. She doesn't look like a, uh, a Jew. Um, and so they're kind of apparently employing her as a maid. Uh, and the Nazis come round and say, is she a Jew? And, and Nolly, as a Christian, they're an amazing Christian family, is convinced that she shouldn't lie. And she says, yes. But she's also convinced that God has the power in those circumstances to make it right. And so she, Nolly, and, and the Jewish girl both, both get arrested, taken to different places, and the Jewish girl is, is taken to a theatre where uh, the Jews are being rounded up. Um, it gets raided by the resistance a few nights later, um, and the girl escapes. 
So we could say she chooses the lesser of two evils, but if you have the faith for it, like Nolly, maybe even that's not an excuse. But is she, where is she at in her faith? She's a very new believer. She's only just come to know uh, about uh, that there is a God uh, who does uh, historical, th- uh, uh, sorry, does supernatural things and rescues his people. New believers exhibit old behavior for quite a while, don't they? At the end of the day, she's doing what comes naturally to her, which is lying to get out of it. And actually, when you reflect on it, so do we. Now, you should know, as, as Christians, Proverbs 6, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue. I won't go into the rest. But a lying tongue is detestable to the Lord. He hates, the Lord hates lying. He loves truthfulness. And also we learn in Ephesians 5 that speaking the truth in love, as the body of Christ, speaking the truth in love, Paul says, to one another, we, we, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him. So we need to be speaking the truth to, to one another uh, in love, uh, to be growing and maturing in Christ. Uh, and do you know what? We're really poor at it. I, I just ask you to reflect on that. You may think... Um, I'm being a little bit harsh, but I, I can promise you somewhere probably in the last week, you'll have told a white lie just to get out of some situation um, or where you didn't really want to tell somebody the truth. I'll just ask you to think about that. So she's an unlikely choice, but nevertheless, God has chosen her uh, for forgiveness. And what is even more unlikely, perhaps, is this amazing um, statement of faith. So she says that I know that the Lord has, has given this land to you. One writer says that her, her speech reveals a situation that not even the most optimistic Israelite could have imagined. That just even the most hopeful Israelite couldn't have imagined um, what she's about to say. And what she tells him is, is this. She says, A great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are, are melting in fear because of you. The inhabitants, inhabitants of Jericho have heard what God has done. Miracles. They've heard that God has parted the Red Sea um, so, that, so that Israel can come through. They've heard about the conquest. They've heard that they are unstoppable in battle. So their near neighbours, Sion and Og, I, I suppose who uh, they were the Moabite kings um, just, to the, just to the east. They were going, up until now, they were a buffer, I guess, uh, uh, for Canaan. They've gone. They've been wiped out. So the inhabitants of Jericho have heard that God does supernatural things and he is unstoppable in battle. So Jericho, the spies discover, is already under attack. Even before they got there, it has already been undermined by the word of God about who God is and what he's done for his people. And there are two responses. In, in Rahab, we get faith. She says, I know the Lord has, has given this land to you. And that's confirmed in the New Testament. Hebrews says, by faith, the, pro, uh, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed. So in, in Rahab, it's faith. In everybody else, it's, it's fear. And David Jackman says, 
those are always the two responses that you get to the, the gospel. It, it's either a response of faith or a response of fear. And he said, refusal to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord doesn't lead to neutrality. Refusal to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord doesn't lead to neutrality. Ultimately, it leads to fear. Fear that fans the flames of denial and resistance. So in your battle, the, the challenge is to leave people with something of the gospel. Leave them with these truths about God. So easy to get into some kind of argument. Some people are just argumentative with you. That's part of their instinctive response, their instinctive fear response to what they hear. But don't get into deep arguments. Certainly don't get into heated arguments. But leave people with something of the truth, the truth of the gospel. As one writer says, let the word... Let the word do the work. Let the word do the work. And so don't be ashamed that the gospel is historical. It rests on events of history. Sorry. And don't be ashamed that it's supernatural. We believe in a supernatural God. There is really a God and he really exists and he comes down and yes, he does get involved in people's lives. Yes, he does miracles. And yes, ultimately, God the Son becomes incarnate as the man Jesus Christ. Jesus is God in in human form. And this is the gospel that she's heard. She's she's heard that it's historical, it's based in real events. God has done things. And for us, that means Christ has died on the cross. Christ has lived and died. And she's realized that God is supernatural. God is over and above all human experience. And if you get that gospel out, you'll get one of two reactions, faith or fear. And there's some verses in 2 Corinthians which says that we are the aroma of Christ amongst those who are being saved and amongst those who are perishing. So as you go about your daily business, whether you like it or not, you're kind of giving off a scent. Okay. Hopefully it's kind of, it's not because you haven't showered but you're giving off a scent. Uh, if you're a Christian, it's, it's, the, it's the aroma of, of Christ. And people pick that up through their spiritual nostrils. And to some people, they go, ooh, it, because they are on the road to being saved. They go, ooh, because it's, you smell of Christ, and that's a good thing. And to other people, you smell like death. And instinctively, they will want to deny, they will want to argue they will want to resist have compassion on those people so seeing the unlikely agents the unlikely choice the unlikely faith now here's the unlikely test or the unlikely sign she ties the scarlet cord uh, in, in the window Rahab makes this agreement with the spies she spared them and, and she wants them to spare her Faith is not just a mental agreement. It's not just a mental assent to a creed. It's not just believing uh, that Christ died. Faith acts. Faith risks. Faith takes steps. There is no faith where there isn't some element of, of risk. When you believe the gospel, you stake your life on it and you change. 
So she hangs the scarlet cord in her window. It's a, it's a sign for her that she's, that she's going to be spared. It's a sign of her faith. And because she has faith, she's spared the judgment, the destruction, the devastation that is coming. And so you and I, as, as Christians, I trust, have, have faith. And that faith means that when God's judgment comes, we will be spared. But there needs to be a sign. There needs to be some evidence. There needs to be some proof. That's what James says, doesn't it, in the New Testament. Action. What action is it that is proving your faith? So let's move on. Move to a conclusion. In this series of unlikely events, the last one is this spy's unlikely report that the Lord has surely given the land into our hands. So Boff and Johnny English, they've escaped. Uh, Though only with the help, it must be said, with with, uh, Rahab's wisdom. And they give their report to Joshua. Now, what a contrast to the one we saw last time. We saw, uh, we read a bit of the book of Numbers, uh, chapter 13 and 14, when Moses sent out some spies. Uh, and their report was, we came, we saw, we cannot. We came, we saw, but it can't be done. The land is too strong. This is completely the opposite. We came, we saw, we can. We can. Oh, more than that, the Lord has given um, the whole land uh, into our hands. Do you know what? They haven't done what they were told. You notice that? They were told to go and spy out the whole land. They haven't done that. They've been into Jericho and they've come back. Joshua doesn't seem too annoyed, does he? Because I guess the report is, if this is what happened, if this is what has happened in Jericho, then this is true across the whole of the land. We came, we saw... We can. David Jackman again. As the church of Jesus Christ, we are never so strong as when we are recognizing and rejoicing in in the sovereign grace of God. So a few practical things for this week. And then with this we'll finish. Don't categorize people. Don't go out there and assume that that these are are people whom God is not going to choose. These are people who will not be interested in Christ. Okay, first one. Second one, don't fall for the lie that Christianity is only for people who are inadequately strong in themselves. Christianity is only for weak people. It's not true. Don't be embarrassed by the historical facts. God became a human being. He lived a perfect life. He died and he rose again. We insist on those facts. We believe those facts are historically testable. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed by the supernatural. Supernatural is essential. God exists. Turns the light on in people's minds so they can, they can trust Christ. He still does miracles and we've seen them on occasions. Instead, do recognize that the gospel is still bearing fruit across the world. If you look across the world, the Christian truth is still spreading and growing. And do recognize that, as Paul said, the gospel, just this simple message, is the power of God for salvation. It comes with its own power supply. 
and that power supplies is the Holy Spirit of God. The dynamic, one writer says, lies in the power of the Holy Spirit, taking the word of God, and so penetrating minds and hearts that people cannot escape from God's truth, faith or fear being the alternative outcomes. Do recognize that it's the Holy Spirit who supplies the power. You just supply the words. Do recognize that God wants to save Rahab. People of, uh, of all genders, people from all countries, people from all levels of goodness and, and badness, God wants to save them by his grace. Nathan met, uh, and that's our son, met, gone to uni, met the only other person on his course this week. Um, there's only two of them. She's slightly odd, but there we go. She asked him why he wanted to do the course. Um, and he said, well, I'm a Christian. That's how he started. And he was about to explain, and she said, no way. It turns out that she's a Christian. She's a daughter of... Uh, missionary parents with an ambition to witness through the arts. And I know that's not a story of witness, except that Nathan was brave enough to own his faith. But isn't it amazing how where you go, you find these surprises that God has gone before you. But hang on a minute, why are we surprised? God has made a commitment to us to be with us wherever we go. Why should we be surprised that God has turned up in Worcester, and put two people with similar interests in in the same place. Why should you be surprised that God puts people who want to know about Jesus in your path? So go out this week. We'll sing in a moment. Go out this week. Musicians want to come back. Go out this week. with a little bit more faith. Because do you know what, people? God is giving us the land. I'm not talking about lots of Christians in England. Uh, What I'm telling you is God is giving us this world. It it is ours. It is a done deal. Okay, that's settled. And one day everything will will be made new. In the meantime, you have a battle to do. And why would you be surprised that God wants to reach unlikely people like the unlikely people who are on your front lines. So let's just pray a minute. Just um, picture where you're going to be tomorrow. Maybe this time tomorrow, this time Tuesday. And just briefly picture who are those people that you meet. Just say, we'll say, sorry, Lord, that, that we've assumed that they're unreachable and they're uninterested. And who knows whether the word of God has already somehow penetrated. But we ask you, Father God, we, want, we say to you, surprise us this week, we pray. Surprise us by finding out that in this battle that we have, that you're already there and that you've gone before us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.